Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and welcome back. Okay, so we do have Bruins to talk about today, and we will talk about the Bruins. We have Celtic to talk about, and we are going to talk about the Celtics. And I'm sorry that today we're not going to be able to talk about the Red Sox or the, uh, the Patriots, excuse me. I know that a lot of people want me to talk about the Red Sox and their recent struggles out of the gate here to start the season. But with the Bruins and the Celtics in the midst of a playoff push, it's it's difficult to talk about the, the Red Sox right now just because of everything's going on here in Boston sports. It's playoff time, baby. And listen, the Red Sox could be on fire right now winning their uh, past 10 out of 11 games, and I still wouldn't talk about them because we do have a lot to talk about in regards to the Bruins which we need to catch up on. We haven't talked about the Bruins in, it feels like, uh, I don't know, a couple months maybe. But the Celtics, which we talked about on Monday, and we're going to dive into them again with now uh, the series tied up one-to-one. Actually, I didn't even talk about the Celtics on Monday, now that I remember, because I was just talking about the Patriots and their draft class. So we have a little catching up to do there with them. But before we get into any of that discussion today, I do have to just remind you of a little housekeeping, and that is today's episode number 141 is here out now on Thursday for you rather than Friday because I'm moving Friday's episode to today, and the shop Murph's Card Town Sports Shop will also be closed on Friday because Kim woo, is graduating, woo, so going to be with her celebrating and just really enjoying her special day with her massive life achievement so hopefully there is no misunderstanding no confusion and i do apologize for the inconvenience but hopefully it can be understood moving forward with murph's boston sports talk i talked about this on monday and i will mention it again moving forward there will be episodes only on friday so but previously it's been monday and friday monday friday monday friday Moving forward, it's just going to be Friday. So on May 13th, that will be episode number 142. So no episode tomorrow. That's why we're, you know, recording and releasing this episode today. Starting on May 13th, there will be episodes every Friday. No longer having episodes on Monday and Friday, just Monday. So again, a lot of people requested that I do longer shows once a week. And starting on the 13th, that is something that I plan on doing because some people may have the time to listen to two episodes that are maybe like 40, 45 minutes a week. 
Some people rather just listen to one hour-long episode per week. I had a bunch of people say that they would like to see one episode but be longer a week. So I'm going to try it out for a little bit, see what it feels like, see how people you know kind of react to it, and just kind of go from there with it. I mean, it's definitely not set in stone, but it's something I want to try out. So that's what we're going to do. So again, quick reminder, today's episode number 141 is replacing tomorrow's episode. And then starting on May 13th, episode 142 will air. And then every Friday, we're going to be having new episodes from that moment forward. But hopefully, again, that can be understood and appreciated as well. Thank you so much for understanding. But let's dive into the Bruins. (sighs) Inhale. Outhale. And the Bruins have been something else, let me tell you. It's just they didn't they didn't limp into the playoffs. They actually played fairly well down the stretch. I mean, they beat the Rangers three to one, the Canadians five to three, the Panthers four to two, the Sabres five nothing, and they lost the last game of the season five to two to the Maple Leafs. So coming in to the playoffs, they were playing fairly well. But boy, has the scoring been tough for the Bruins to come by here in the playoffs. They've given up five goals in both games, granted a couple empty netters, but the Bruins only been able to score three goals in those two games is not a good look at all for this team, especially a team that has David Pasternak, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, Taylor Hall. Jake DeBrusque has come on really strong this year ever since he got bumped up to that first line with Bergeron and with Marchand. But just everything has gone stagnant for the Bruins. They have no power play unit. They're like uh, one for their past 50 or whatever the hell it may be. It's, it's where did this collapse go? Or where did it come from? And towards the end of the season, there was always speculation who's going to start a net, Linus Olmark or Jeremy Swayman. And Olmark has had some really nice saves here in the series so far. But, I mean... It's nothing to show for because he's still allowing in goals. And granted, some of them are his fault. Some of them aren't. You know, obviously you have to take into account the few empty netters that they've scored. But you have to go Swayman in Game 3. You absolutely have to. I mean, you have to give them a different look. You have to give someone else a chance in net to maybe shut the door in a Game 3 and allow your Bruins to only score a couple of goals and still win. Maybe the change of the goalie will kind of wake the team up a bit. It can allow Linus Olmark to reset. Hopefully he doesn't check completely out since he's no longer going to be uh, in the series for the time being at least. It's Bruce Cassidy has a lot on his plate. And when I was driving into the shop today, I was listening to sports radio like I always do. And there was conversations that, well, whose job is more in jeopardy? Bruce Cassidy, the coach, or Don Sweeney, the general manager? And a lot of people were saying that Bruce Cassidy's job was in danger. He's in the hot seat right now because of the, I mean, he's been the coach for what, five, six seasons now. You have a Stanley Cup appearance to show for it, but that's it. And you've regressed every year since then. And Don Sweeney, I mean, he has made some moves. He brought in Taylor Hall. He re-signed Taylor Hall. He brought in uh, Hampus Lindholm. He's re-signed Hampus Lindholm. I mean, at this point, there's nothing he can do. 
mean, he can't go out there and score goals. He can't go out there and play defense or shot puck, uh, stop pucks. He can't go out there and coach. These are all intangibles that the coach can moderately control. You know, certain offensive game plans, certain defensive game plans, your, your goaltending, you know, coaching the goaltending, coaching the defense and the off, offense, coaching special teams. I mean, these are all things that are controllable by him. And listen, I don't hate, I don't hate Bruce Cassidy. I think he's a really good coach. He was a great successor to Claude Julien when he got fired. And a lot of the players at the time really listened to Bruce Cassidy because he was a different voice. And I wonder if now is the time that the Bruins need that different voice again. Obviously, you're not going to make a change in the middle of the playoffs. But this is a conversation to have in the offseason. Don Sweeney's contract is up at the end of the season. Bruce Cassidy has one more year left on his, his coaching contract. But, I mean, I do believe that Don Sweeney has done what he can to provide Cassidy the tools and the resources to go out and make a strong push at a Stanley Cup finals appearance. At, for the bare minimum, again, going back to our conversations time and time again with the Patriots, with the Celtics, with the Red Sox, the city of Boston has championship aspirations. If it's not a championship, we don't want it. If it's not a championship, then it's a failed season. And sadly, that's kind of what it looks like it's trending for here for the Bruins. Is something in regard to that. Now again, could have could Don Sweeney have done more at the trade deadline? Sure. Could he have gone... Uh, another forward or another centerman absolutely but he brought in the best defensive player on the market at the time I mean that says something he was able to re-sign him last year he brought in Taylor Hall who was probably one of the premier wing players or forwards that was on the market at the deadline last year brought him in from Buffalo and both of those players are re-signed so they weren't rental pieces or at the time they were when they was traded for but then they got re-signed. So I'm not going to say Don Sweeney has made all the perfect moves and he's pushed all the right buttons. Could there be improvements on his end and his behalf? Yes, of course. But I don't think he's entirely to blame. I would put maybe like 15% of the blame on him. Right? I'd put 15% on him 40% maybe on Cassidy and 35% on the players or 40% on the players and 35% on Cassidy. However, you kind of want to flip-flop those or you want to split the difference and go 37 and a half. That works too. Because yes, Don Sweeney has to put the roster together. He has to put the team together. But Cassidy also has to go out and execute the offensive game plan, defensive game plan, come up with schemes, and special team stuff, you know, everything that I've already mentioned. But also the players have to go out and execute that implemented game plan for the offense and the defense and the special teams and work on practicing goaltending and, and getting shots on, blocking shots, and all the nuances and all the ins and outs of hockey. The players have to go do that. And I don't think that this series is completely over for the Bruins. It looks just about over being down to nothing but hey you're coming back home 
You've got the next two games here on your home ice tomorrow at 7 and Sunday at 12.30 p.m. So you have a couple home games to kind of reset and get yourself back into the series. But game three is a must-win game, clearly. It is a must-win game for the Bruins. You don't want to go down 3-0. You're basically going to check yourself out. Bergeron's on an expiring contract, so he could be checked out if you're down 3-0. But again, the Bruins have a good roster. It's not like they're some bums that snuck into the playoffs and are trying to be a Cinderella story. They have great players on their team. They have a really good unit, or good units, plural. They've had a couple of goalies that have played fairly spectacular so far this year or throughout the entire regular season. So what's the problem? What is the problem? Is Carolina just simply better than you? Are the Carolina Hurricanes just simply better than you? Offensively, defensively, special teams. I mean, they're down to the third goaltender, a rookie who played three regular season games and doesn't speak any English. And you're going to let that guy beat you when you have four of the best players for their respective positions on your team, Poshnok, Bergeron, Marchand, Hall. Like, I hope I hope uh, the Hurricanes goalie, Ranta, is okay. I mean, he looks like he took a, a pretty good hit to the face there. He had to leave. He was bleeding. And the backup goalie went in. But, like, that should have been your momentum shift. You were going to get the full energy from the Hurricane. You had a brace for that. And you had to take advantage of this, of their goalie, who, again, doesn't speak any English, so there's going to be a communication issue between him and his teammates, who played three regular season games, like 22, 23 years old. I mean, that was the perfect spot for you to take advantage, get yourself back into this game, into the series, come back up uh, with the series tied 3-1, 1-1, excuse me, for game three. But instead, you let the momentum get out of the way, you let the Hurricanes take control, and they blew punches at you that you couldn't absorb and that you couldn't handle, resulting in a 5-2 loss. It's very, very upsetting. It's saddening and maddening and depressing. Now listen, I wasn't going to sit here and say that the Bruins are going to win the series, you know, in five games. At the beginning of the series, I would say six or seven. And it very well could be six or seven games. But the fact that you don't even look like you belong in this series is what kills me inside. Is you don't even look like you belong. It just looks like that you're just outmatched by a Carolina Hurricane team that is simply better than you. And I don't think that's the case. If you were to compare the rosters and go pound for pound, I just don't think that they're up and down better than you. Could you say that they're slightly better than you? Yeah, sure. But I'm not going to say that you're, you know, it's not David and Goliath or that it's it's unwinnable. But it's just you're making it very difficult to watch. Now listen. It's only been game uh, two games, but you're down two nothing. So you have a tough uphill battle ahead of you. Is it doable? Yes. Should you be able to do it? Yes. Can you do it? Yes. But will you do it? But will you do it? Will you come back? 
from being down two uh, two games to nothing. Again, game three is tomorrow, Friday at 7 p.m. What kind of Bruins are we going to get in that game? Are we going to get the Bruins that we know and love that had a fantastic stretch around January, February, who has played fairly well all season long? Are we going to get the Bruins that had 107 points in the regular season? Or are we going to get a team that just wants to get swept, go home, see you later, see you next year, new coach, new GM, new roster? Like, are you already checked out? Because for me, playoff hockey is so fun to watch. It's so enjoyable. It's so pure. And one of the best products we have in sports entertainment market. But it just makes it even sweeter and even juicier when the Bruins are directly involved. Obviously, if the Bruins were to get eliminated, I'm still going to watch playoff hockey, but it's not going to be as fun. Because, you know, I can stress and worry about this game and the Bruins, and then when I'm watching the other games, whether it's the Maple Leafs and Lightning series or, or whatever, I can watch that, relax, and, and be hopeful, like, hey, you know, it would be kind of cool to play this team, or, you know, we don't want to play that team. Meanwhile, you can't even get out of the first round, so I don't want to look ahead. I preached it, I preached it, I preached it. Don't look ahead in the Celtics series. And my mindset is going to be the same exact thing here with the Bruins and the Hurricane in their series. Don't look ahead. Don't look at Game 4. Don't look at Game 5, 6, or 7. Focus on Game 3. Because all you can control right now is Game 3. And the outcome that we get with Game 3. Will we win? Will we lose? There's no ties. There's no shootouts, no overtime losses. It's just win or go home. And right now, the Bruins are playing like they just want to go home. And if that's the case, then fine. I'm not going to watch. I'm not going to watch Game 3 and Game 4. Let's just get this over and see you next year. But do you want to fight? Do you want to perform? Do you want to play to the highest level that you possibly can because you guys play at that level on a regular basis? Do you want us fans to back you up and support you and to be there for you? And when you score a goal, we get excited. And when you give one up, we get pissed. Because, listen, people love to play in Boston, whether it's the Red Sox, Celtics, the Bruins. You can even throw the Patriots in there because the fan base is so passionate. Because the fan base is so passionate, we will be behind you. We will be the sixth man on the court. We will be the sixth man on the ice. We will be the twelfth man on the field. We will be the tenth hitter in your lineup. Or the 10th fielder out in the outfield. That is what the Boston fan base will do for their sports teams. But we're only going to do that for you and be there for you if you show us and give us a reason why we should. When the Celtics sucked, uh, when was it? Last year, and they were in the that Brooklyn Nets series and they just got, uh, they lost in five. There was no reason for us to support and root for the Celtics. You were outmatched, you were outgunned. And you weren't playing like you wanted to be there. In the 2000, uh, in the 2020 COVID season, the Red Sox sucked, which it was a shortened season, 60 games. A lot of teams sucked that shouldn't have. A lot of bad teams played good. So it was a weird season. So we kind of checked out. But in 2021, when the Red Sox started off hot, we bought in. They cooled off just a bit. They picked it back up. 
So it's like we bought in. You made it all the way to the American League Championship Series. And we were behind you. We were with you all the way. You are two games away from going to the World Series. We were with you. We were behind you. When the Bruins made it to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2019, we were with you. We were behind you. We were skating with you. We were cheering for you. We were fist-pumping you. That is what you get when you play here in Boston. You get that type of fan base, that type of love and support that you don't get in every other market. You do not get that in every single market. Is that level of connectivity, that level of support, passion, love, energy, excitement, but only if you show that to us in return will we give it to you. You have to show us that you're going to go out there, play with your heart on your sleeves, go out and win game three. And don't just win it by the skin of your teeth. Win it in convincing fashion. Give us something to be excited for in game four. Don't just win game three on the skin of your teeth and be like, oh, we could have easily lost that game only if this happened. Oh, we should have lost that game. It's just, mm, it's tough. It's really, really tough. You guys can tell how passionate I am about this. And it's not just a Bruins issue. Again, it's a Celtics-Red Sox-Patriots issue as well. But the Bruins need to go out and win Game 3 against the Carolina Hurricanes as they are down in the series two game to nothing with the series going back to Boston with a puck drop a little after 7 o'clock. But that is our Bruins catch-up minute. Hopefully you guys can kind of get an idea where the Bruins are at currently in their most recent stretch towards the end of the regular season and obviously here in the start of the playoffs. Where they currently sit in the first two games being down 2 nothing to those Hurricanes. But listen, they're down, but I don't think they're out. They are definitely down, but they're not out. But they could easily, easily get knocked out. Easily. But again, Game 3 will be a big, massive tell for us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Game three against the Bucks for the Boston Celtics in their respective series tips off Saturday, May 7th at 3.30. So a huge layoff between games two and game three that gives the Celtics more time to rest. But then again, vice versa, it gives the Bucks more time to rest as well. Celtics lost game one, 101-89. They win game two, 109-86. What do we expect from both teams here in Game 3? Well, the Bucks had a terrible shooting performance, and the Celtics' defense really stepped it up in Game 2. Obviously, that's what we saw the vice versa in Game 1, where the Bucks were just shooting the lights out of the ball, and the Celtics couldn't play no defense. But then again, they couldn't score either. Whereas in Game 2, they were able to score and play defense and shut down the Bucks. Game 3. Going to Milwaukee, I have no idea what to expect. I really don't. Could we see the defensive Celtics shut down Giannis and his supporting cast yet again? I'm going to lean that it's not likely that that's going to happen because now the Bucks are home and their role players are home. And I've said this again. I think I even said it on Monday. No, I said it on Friday last week. Role players, bench players, 
the supporting players, whatever you want to call them, play better at home because they have the support of their fans and that fan base being in that home arena. So when they play good, uh, make a big play, they hear the crowd and it just gets them going even more. And I think that's going to play a big factor going to Milwaukee, you know, with the series tied. Could we come back to Boston for game five with the series tied at 2-2? Yeah, sure. Doomsday scenario, obviously you lose both of these games in Milwaukee and you come back home 3-1. Best case, obviously you're up 3-1. But I think the, the most likely scenario is you come back to Boston and it's tied 2-2. I do. I mean, I've said the series could go 6 or 7. A lot of people are saying 7. It's a really interesting matchup between two teams that uh, one that can shoot the lights out of the ball and the other that can play great defense. So what will prevail, the defense or the offense? And obviously in game one, the offense prevailed. In game two, the defense prevailed. What's game three going to be look? Is it going to be a coin flip? As long as the Celtics don't get into a three-point shootout contest with the Bucks, I think they'll be fine. They're going to put themselves in a much better position to win that game. If they play defense, they turn their defense into offense, they execute an offensive game plan, shoot your wide open shots, try to create open shots, and go at the Milwaukee Bucks. Get a Giannis into foul trouble. Get a Brooke Lopez into foul trouble. Get under their skin. Take the fans out of the game. That's the key. Not being on your home court anymore is you have to take the fans out of the game. You absolutely have to. So therefore, those bench players don't perform well because there's nothing to cheer about. When you're up 20, say they make a you know a layup, there's nothing to cheer about. You have to get under the Bucks' skin. You have to go out and give them a full-fledged punch to start the game. You open the first quarter 32 to 21, and I believe 15 to 2, and then I think it was like 30 to 15. So I know basketball is a game of runs. The Celtics are going to go on a run. The Bucks are going to go on a run. Celtics and then the Bucks. That's just how it's going to happen. That's just basketball. But you got to control those runs. When you're when you're on the run, you have to drag it out and make it as big and as large and as strong as you can. But when you're against it and the Bucks are going on a run, you have to find a way to eliminate it at its core. Whether that's calling a timeout, getting a stop, blocking a shot. Making your own shot, you just have to control the flow of the game. Don't let it get too ahead of you. Don't let it get too far behind you. I, I really do think the Celtics have a really good chance at winning the series. I'm not going to sit here and say that they will. I know a lot of people have been coming to the shop here at Murph's Cartown Sports Shop and telling me, in, in like seriously telling me that the Celtics have the series in the bag, that they think they'll easily handle the Bucs. I don't think that's the case. They're the defending champs for a reason. Yes, they don't have Chris Middleton, which does suck for them, and it's good for you, so you have to take advantage of that. You have to take advantage of the fact that Chris Middleton is not playing. He's clearly the second-best player. All the pressure is on Giannis right now. And who knows? I mean, I know he's been ruled out for the series, Middleton, but who knows? Come a Game 7, they may just have him come in for 15, 20 minutes just to give them something. Just to give them something. You just don't know. So being the Celtics, being as healthy as you are, you have to take advantage of that. Because your second best player, Jalen Brown, is better than their second best player. Is that Drew Holiday? 
Bobby Portis, Wesley Matthews, Pat Connaughton. Like, you see what I'm getting at here? You see what I'm getting at? Your team is way deeper than theirs. Your team should be better than theirs. I mean, Giannis playing 38 minutes and only getting 28 points. You have to control Giannis. But if you can get whatever Giannis is putting up out of Tatum, Tatum in last game uh, scored 29 points in 43 minutes, you're going to be in a pretty good spot. You got 30 points out of Jalen Brown in 38 minutes. The next highest scorer for the Bucks was Drew Holiday with uh, 19 and 40 minutes. Control the runs of the games. If Tatum can put up the same thing Giannis is putting up, I feel so much better that the Celtics um, with Brown, Horford, Grant Williams, Rob Williams, Marcus Smart, if he plays in Game 3, will be able to outshine the Bucks. Pat Connaughton, Drew Holiday, uh, Grayson Allen, Bobby Portis. Like, I like the Celtics' depth and their roster way better than I like the Milwaukee Bucks. But then again, they don't have Chris Middleton. So you throw in Chris Middleton into that mix, it all kind of evens out a little bit more. But for now, you they don't have Chris Middleton, and you have to take advantage of that. You absolutely have to take advantage of that. Being in Milwaukee for Games 3 and Game 4 will be daunting. It will be difficult. It is everybody in that arena, everybody against you. And how will you perform? You performed excellent against the Nets in Game 3 and Game 4 of your previous series, winning Game 3 against the Nets 109-103, winning against the Nets 116-112 in Game 4. Now the Bucks are a completely different team than the, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. But again, you've shown the ability to go out and win on the road here in the playoffs. You did it twice, finishing a sweep. What can you do against a better team, better coach, the defending champions, and a team that is clearly more level-headed and a team that is more hungry? In the Milwaukee Bucks, what will you do on the road? If you go out and lose Game 3 and you look absolutely ugly, Game 4 is going to be really, really tough. If you lose Game 3 on a nail-biter, okay, Game 4 isn't so hard. It's still tough. It's still difficult because you don't want to come back to Boston 3-1 or down 3-1 and the pressure's on you to win Game 4. But if you can win Game 3, now we're talking. Now you take the life out of the Bucks a little bit and you take a little bit of life out of that fan base because I don't think they're so passionate. Yes, the Milwaukee Bucks, let's see, that area has the Brewers, that area has the Packers. So there is a good sports fan base in that Milwaukee area. But are they any? Are those Celtics fans? Like, come on, we know Celtics fans are much more passionate than Milwaukee Bucks. The Celtics are probably the most passionate fan base across the NBA. You know, give or take a couple teams here. So, like, I think the home court advantage means way more way, way more to the Celtics than it does to the Bucks. I'm sorry, no, it means way more to the Bucks than it does the Celtics. Because the Bucks need to play good to keep their fans involved. Whereas the Celtics may be down by 10, but I think that Celtics fan base is going to help pull them out, especially if the Celtics start making a couple shots. But will the Milwaukee Bucks fan base be able to pull the Bucks out of you know a 10-point deficit with a couple shots being made? We're going to have to wait and see. The fans do play a role in these playoff series, especially basketball. I didn't talk about it much in football, um, not football, uh, hockey, because 
does it matter? Yes, of course. You, know, you play the regular season for home ice. I don't think it's as much as a factor in hockey as it is in basketball. And I've said this time and time again that basketball home court is probably the most important home field advantage that there is. And it's going to really come down to what the Bucks and their fan base is able to do for the team. And if the Celtics can kind of take the fans out of it, eliminate that advantage that the Bucks have, and stick it to them in Game 3. I mean, what I would love to see the Celtics do here in this series is really go out, stick it to them, convincingly win Game 3 to put all the pressure on them in Game 4. Is that a possibility? Yeah, of course it is. Will it happen? I don't know. That's why we're going to have to wait and watch on Saturday. I know, Saturday. Come on. So far away. Why is it so far away? Makes no sense. Makes no sense. We had game two on Monday. I'm sorry, no, Tuesday. We have to wait one, two, three, four days. I, I, I hate the NBA playoff schedule. It is the stupidest thing. I mean, even in the uh, the Brooklyn Nets series, uh, there's like a three-day layoff, which I, I kind of get it scheduling-wise, TV scheduling-wise, travel times. I get all that. But I don't know. I'm really excited for it. You've heard me talk about the uh, the Jesus, the Bruins. You've heard me talk about the Celtics. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your opinions. Leave them down in the comment section below if you're listening to this on YouTube, or reach out to me via social media at Murph's Card Town if you're listening to this on audio only platforms such as Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, wherever you're listening to your podcast or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk there as well. Who do I think has the better chance? Hold on, scratch that. Let me rephrase. I want to say the beginning of the season or maybe in like the fall, maybe early winter, I sat here and said, looking at the four sports teams here in the Boston area, Red Sox, Celtics, Bruins, Patriots, I sat here and said that the Bruins have the best chance to win a championship out of those four teams. You saw the, the, the Patriots get smacked by the Bills or, you know, struggling in the, the division. Red Sox just came off an ALCS run, ultimately failed, but I think they overachieved a little bit. Clearly, they I don't think they did nearly as much as they should have to help that team. They brought in Trevor Story, nice. No pitching. Listen, Michael Walker has been playing nice, yes, uh, pitching nice. But their bullpen, it's been decent, but there's no closer, and that's absolutely killing you. Celtics at that time wasn't on their big run, or they had just started. So there was really no high expectations for the Celtics because they were just kind of muddling in the middle for a bit there. But then you have the Bruins on a hot streak or you know approaching their hot streak like the Bruins, uh, like the Celtics. You know, they have championship aspirations. They were just in the uh, NBA fine, uh, the NHL Finals, Stanley Cup Finals a couple years ago. They have a bunch of good players. So I sat here and said that I think the Bruins had the best chance at winning their respective title. But now I'm looking at the Bruins. Now I'm looking at the Celtics. Right now, if I had to pick, absolutely it's the Celtics. Absolutely. That's obviously, I'm not trying to say the Celtics are going to win and it's going to be easy. 
But given the way the Celtics have been playing, the way they've been able to score, shoot, play defense, the coaching, the chemistry, I mean, I have to emphasize the defense again, is all better than what you're getting from any of the other three teams. Now, granted, the Patriots, they're not playing right now. It's, you know, the offseason. But let's consider the draft, too. Let's consider free agency. Let's consider what other teams around the league have done to improve their team where the Patriots have not. Again, the Red Sox. Lineup is a little stagnant. Then you have the pitching looking in shambles, especially the back end of that bullpen. What are you getting out of your starting rotation? There's so many questions in the Bruins. Again, down 2 nothing. Where'd the power play go? Where'd the offensive scoring go? Defense looks shaky. Goaltending possibly shaky. At least Linus Olmark is. We don't know about Swayman. But Celtics don't nearly have any questions. Again, the only thing that can beat them, I think, at this point is just playing against a better team. And right now, I don't think the Bucks are a better team. If not, they're probably even. Maybe the Celtics are just a little bit better. But then again, they don't nearly have they don't have the coaching issues. They don't have free agent issues. They don't have trade deadline issues. They don't they're not down in the series issues. So I mean there's a lot less issues and a lot less questions that the Celtics have compared to a team like the Bruins, who just started their playoff run. A team like the Red Sox, who have now been playing for over a month. The Patriots, who have had a very disappointing offseason, in my opinion, and a lot of other people's opinions. So I'm going to have to vault the Celtics all the way back up to the top that they're the team closest or most probable to winning their respective title. And if you disagree with me, please let me know in the comments or reach out to me via social media. Let me know. Are the Red Sox in a better position? Are the Bruins in a better position? Are the Patriots in a better position? Tell me why. Because the way I see it, the Celtics have the star power, they have depth, they're deep, they have shooting, they have defense, they have the coach. Obviously, they have home court for the first series and the second series here. If they play the Heat in this next series, if they get to that point, they won't. But these are all intangibles and factors that the Celtics are able to control, and they're controlling it well. Whereas the Bruins, which I've already talked about, offensive game plan, defensive, goaltending, special teams, what you do with the puck, the hitting, and the pace of play, like all those things are controllable, but they're losing control or have lost control of those things. So that's why I think the Celtics are in a much better position than the Bruins or at least any of the other teams in the Boston area. But like I said, I could be blatantly wrong. I could be missing something, and I would love for you to let me know. But with that being said, that is going to wrap up today's episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I really appreciate you downloading, listening, and enjoying all episodes of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I really hope you did enjoy today's episode as I dove deep into the Bruins. I dove deep into the Celtics, and I cannot wait to sit here in eight days. Oh my goodness, i got to wait over a week to record the next episode. It's going to feel like a long time, but again, something I want to try out, releasing one episode a week. So we'll see how it goes. And I definitely am looking forward to this subtle change that you guys suggested and you guys wanted. So we'll see. We'll see what it does. But that is going to do it for episode number 141 of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. Again, thank you so much for downloading, listening, and enjoying. If you're listening to this episode on YouTube, please make sure you like the video, comment down below, and please, please, please subscribe to the channel if you're new or have not considered subscribing as I would greatly appreciate the love and support. That is going to do it for this one, guys. 
Enjoy the weekend. It's going to be some great weather outside. Excellent spring weather for some playoff basketball, playoff hockey, and, of course, some Red Sox baseball as well. That's going to do it for this one. You guys know that I love you, and I will always, always see you. Thank you.